London. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon on a Wednesday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. That's Miller and Condon, and we take you here until noon. Uh, as we try to keep things as local as we possibly can, we'll do our best at that. Uh, but not entirely as we're in the month of May after all. Here's what's coming up. And oh, by the way, Trent is not here, at least in the beginning of the program. Potentially, uh, we'll slide in here at some point late. Had a family issue and family comes first. So we'll, uh, fly solo here until he, if, and when he gets here at some point in the next couple of hours. But here's who's going to be here with me chatting uh, in uh, on the BMW Des Moines guest list. It will be Bama Bob to lead things off. We're going to talk college football. Haven't spoken with Bama since the day after the national championship. And we usually start getting him back on the program maybe a time or two in May and maybe add to that in June by July when the media days ramp up. We're going every other week in August every week and dot, dot, dot. Uh, throughout the college football season. So Bama Bob and uh, Bama Bob and I will uh, toss around some college football issues that have come out. The overtime rule. I'm anxious to ask this question to him. I thought about this when driving into work today. Of course, Bama, Alabama, Bob. Um, the last two years, the last two drafts, there's been four Alabama receivers go in the first round. Uh, what did they? The six and eleven, six and six and ten this year. Uh, the year before. Rugs went where, 13? And Judy, 15? Well, you get the point. Uh, there were four Alabama receivers off the board in the last two drafts before pick 20. We'll say that to be safe. So I wanted to rank them. Uh, kind of a fun exercise uh, with all of that talent there. So Bama Bob will join us. We'll do other things as well. The overtime rule, etc. cetera. Uh, the... Um, the playoff rule, the expansion. Those are those are some of the topics that I've got on my list to ask Bama Bob when he joins me here in about five minutes. Then Tommy Birch will slide in here from the Des Moines Register. Wasn't it great to see baseball in downtown Des Moines last night? After what? I think I saw, oh, it was over 600 days since the last game had been played. September 8th of 2019. You can do the math if you're so inclined. That was when um, the curtain fell and it didn't raise again. At least for AAA baseball, I know there was um, my, there was uh, high school playoffs at Principal Park last year and some other events, but AAA baseball back in its place downtown Des Moines last night, and the series, the homestand, will continue through Sunday. So Tommy Birch going to give us provide us a little color as to uh, what it was like being back in the ballpark last night, some of the changes, and Randy Wayhofer had been. Uh, you know, joined Trent and I a number of times uh, leading up to last night to tell us what fans could expect as they made their way uh, downtown to Principal Park. I think there was, what did I see the attendance? Just over 3,500, somewhere in that area uh, is still not quite fully open yet, but you know what? Wouldn't you take it? And he did last night and it was good to see. So Tommy Birch will join us on the Iowa Cubs and getting back to at least a modicum of normalcy. 11.05. David Kaplan joins us. How about the Cubs? Now we started at least at some point on Monday, not um, not poking fun, but just kind of lay out there what lies ahead. In what the time looked like the next three days. Well, we know that Monday didn't happen, but Kershaw and Bauer and Bueller 
And good luck, Cubs, because you can't hit a lick. And <laughs> then the Dodgers come to town and all that firepower and all that pitching power. And Kershaw gets out of the first inning and that's it in the in the uh, in game one of the double dip yesterday. And then Bauer got not hit around, uh, didn't factor in the decision, uh, but he but the Cubs hung in there and did so with a, a, a pitcher who started his first game in the majors yesterday. And you know what? If first impressions mean anything, I might have something here in this kid. Keegan Thompson in his name, he was really good. He was really good uh, in his first major league start. Now, it took him a while to get to the majors. He's 26 years old, just turned 26 within the last month or so. Uh, but uh, his first um, his first experience at the major league level came last night in game two against the defending world champion Los Angeles Dodgers. And the kid was great. Really was gotten a little trouble in the first inning, uh, but got himself out of that jam and then just, you know, not uh, necessarily cruise control, but kind of was until it was what uh, two outs in the fourth inning, uh, runner on first and Ross uh, runner on runner on the bases, maybe on second, might have been, uh, but anyways, Ross had seen enough and went and got him after about 60, 60 uh, high sixties and pitches came and got him, uh, went to the bullpen. Saw what happened. Uh, Kimbrell, who's been lights out. I can't kill Kimbrell for, you know, the blown save last night. It was the first one of the year. Uh, Muncie put one in the basket. Hey, it's going to happen. Uh, and it hadn't happened until May. Now, if it keeps happening, <laughs> then the tone is going to change. But for one night, and again, he's been great. Craig Kimbrell's been great. I think that was the first earned run he'd given up was last night, the uh, the Muncie home run. But Javi Baez um, turns the clock back a little bit because he hasn't been good this year, and he wasn't good in the first game of the double dip yesterday. Had a couple of errors, just a boneheaded gaff by, by Baez. Didn't start game two, came in in a pinch-hitting role, uh, and uh, his first at-bat, I believe he was walked, second at-bat, he parked it in the stands. To make up for what was a 3-1 deficit, it ties it to three. Uh, they go. They play on in the ninth inning, and the Cubs win and sweep a doubleheader from the. I hate to say, reeling Los Angeles Dodgers. Kinda. Uh, kinda reeling. I mean, nobody saw this. Look, as we said, those folks that put out power rankings, you can go ahead and and just put the Dodgers in before the season starts. And if there was such a prop. I know I would have lost a lot of money uh, because I thought that the Dodgers would be on top of everyone's everyone's power rankings for the entire season. You can't keep them there. Andrew Downs is behind the glass with a smile on his face. Him, his Giants, looking although they got beat last night uh, by the Rockies, but uh, the Giants, one of the stories in the National League. So uh, good for the Cubbies. Anyways, David Kaplan will be here at 11.05 on that. Uh, Cappy came out after the draft last Thursday while he was on vacation and uttered, and I'm paraphrasing, he thought that this was the single greatest day in Chicago sports since Game 7 in Cleveland. And what he meant was Justin Fields being drafted by the Bears, but a couple of hours earlier, the news breaking that Aaron Rodgers is getting the hell out of that division, potentially. You know what? He got some blowback. I don't think it was deserving. I think he's right. And we'll talk about that with Cappy at 1105 Centurion Stone. Sponsors our buddy, the Cap Man, who will join us uh, at 1105. Uh, and then 
was going to save this for tomorrow, but had to change some things around. Stephen M. Sippel from the Lincoln Journal Star is going to join us. We'll recap Nebraska Spring Day. I know you love to hate Sip and you love to hate Nebraska, uh, but I'm going to talk about those Huskers as long as I'm on the radio because I think it's good for business. Yell at your radio or the Husker fans are appreci- that are in the market are appreciative that we don't ignore them. Hey, it's a rivalry, and he's my friend, and I've talked to him on the air for 23, four years. Um, and as I said on day one, when we got fortunate enough to come back here, I've got two sacred cows. And you're going to hear them both this morning. Batman Bob here momentarily and Stephen M. Sipple to end the program. And hopefully Trent will be here late in the show because I know him and he likes to kid uh, Sip uh, when, uh, when he has an opportunity. So we'll get the latest on what happened in spring football and how many games they're going to win and just the... Um, the over-the-moon the expectations for Scott Frost and that club this year. We'll talk about Hoiberg and what he's doing as well. Got keywords coming up. We'll get to our first one here toward the bottom of the hours. I think we'll keep Bama uh, for a good long bit. Uh, but we've got a keyword now we're one, a keyword now we're number two. We've had some winners in the building. Not had a winner yet on KX and O, uh, but uh, there have been some winners in the building. We love to get one. Any of the local shows, it's just a feather in our cap when we do... Um, you know, we have the uh, fortune of uh, having one of our listeners uh, call in, or in this case, uh, not text in, but go to kxno.com and enter that keyword. And you'll have that opportunity at the bottom of the hour. By the way, tomorrow, excited to do this. Uh, Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, is going to be in town um, for a fundraising event next Tuesday. Heather Burnside, who's raising so much money for leukemia lymphoma, uh, it's a fundraiser uh, for uh, as part of her endeavors uh, to raise as much money as anybody uh, that's in this contest. So Heather's going to sit in with Trent and I, and Mitch Holtis is going to be here. We'll recap the draft with Mitch, but we'll talk about the fundraising event coming up on Tuesday night. Uh, AD, help me out with this as I don't get out much. The the Tap House, is that what it's called? Uh, the Tap Room. Tap Room. Tap Room, and it's in East Village? Yep, exactly. Got good stuff. All right, so the tap, that's where it is. Uh, but Heather will give us more information, and Mitch will join us tomorrow at 10.30 on that. So if you're a Chiefs fan, the voice of your team uh, tomorrow morning at 10.30. Right now, Bama Bob joins the program. As I said, Bama, when I was kind of teasing the show here, we have not spoken with you, I don't think, since the day after the national championship. And as we inch our way closer to late August, early September, the opportunities to have you on kind of ratchet up a little bit. So we're certainly looking forward to that. And today's the first chance. And how you been? Been great, Kenny. How are you? And uh, I mean, truer words have never been spoken, Ken, that you don't get out much. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bama, you know what? I was out this weekend. I got I to tell you because I, I said this story. It was so great. So I called the races at Prairie Meadows uh, last weekend. Right, right, right. First right. time in, uh, I think, 18 years, 17 years, eight months to be precise. And just looking down from my perch up top on the on the roof, it was so great to see people. You know, and and, yeah. and having fun, and there was a couple of bands, and people were dancing on the apron, and this was relatively early, so I don't think that they were into the pop at that point. It was just great to be, <laughs> it kind of seems like we're on the cusp, doesn't it, that we're oh, almost God. back? I mean, let's hope. I mean, I know that, um, and I know we got a lot to cover, but I, I know down here um, they're already talking about, uh, you know, half capacity being allowed. Really? Because um, here I think, Bama, it's it's full boat. I think I think both Iowa and well, I could be mistaken, well, but I thought that was the yeah, last well, I heard. 
Yeah, and I maybe was so I think it was fifty percent at the spring game. But yeah, okay. I think I think for the season they're planning right. right now. And of course, you know we all know how this can change. <laughs> right. Overnight, it seems. Um, but the, yeah, they're talking about full boats. Uh, you know, hundred thousand at Bryant Denny, ninety thousand in Auburn. Now, whether they'll get that, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of people, you know, of you know my age and some others are going to be like, yeah, you know, let's just kind of see where we're at mm-hmm. and you know that kind of thing. But but regardless, I mean, to to have fans, any fans in any kind of an environment uh, back is great. Um, I wish we could have full. Uh, NHL arenas yeah. in a couple weeks, Kenny, when they yeah. start up, but we're not going to get that. But look, it's going to be fun. Hopefully, we'll get something you know resembling normal, and then of course, uh, you know, the next year just move on from there, and it just gets better and better. Indeed, you know, just real quick on the NHL. So next Monday, I'm going to Vegas, and my son's going to meet oh. me there, and I haven't seen him in a couple of years. Like a lot of families have been apart, and get that opportunity. So Monday night, I'm going to the uh, I'm going to the Golden Knights uh, Lanch game. How about that for a matchup? Nice. Colorado nice. and Las Vegas, maybe the like two best it. teams in the West. Um, yes. Yeah, so it's, it's going to be a blast. I can't wait to see it. I've never been inside T-Mobile Arena, and it's been a long time since I've been, an NH, been at an NHL game. Uh, so we'll uh, check that box. All right, Bama, let's get to it because we've got a lot of ground to cover with you. And I, you know, I just, um, there, there's so much, there's, there hasn't been a ton of college football news, but there's certainly been some, you know, as I said at the beginning of the show, one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on is I, is just watching the NFL draft and year after year, all the talent Alabama sends to the, sends to the league. But in the last two years, we've seen, we've seen, excuse me, Waddle go six. And Smith went, what, uh, 10. Uh, last year it was Ruggs was either 13 and Judy was 15 or they were 14 and 16, but middle of the, of the first round. So those four receivers, Bama, you seem as close as anybody. Waddle, Smith, Judy, and Ruggs. Is difficult to do? Um, power rank those bad boys for me. Well, okay, so I'm gonna, I'll rank them in a couple ways. In, in terms of their college careers, I would go. I mean, you can't argue Devonta Smith. Right, yeah. yeah, I mean, and the the season he had was just ridiculous this past year, especially with Waddle injured. So mm-hmm. I would go Smith, Judy second in college. I mean, I just loved his route running. Yep. I mean, over the middle, whatever you needed. I don't know that I ever saw him drop a pass, at least a meaningful one. Could run away from you, run around you, whatever. Uh, Waddle, I would put third, barely. Uh, you know. Production was limited, but man, when he was when he was full speed, he was dangerous. And and rugs, I mean, he, he had a he has first round potential, but it's pretty much all speed with yeah. him. I mean, if you watch some Raiders games, he's got to learn how to catch football. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the bottom line. So, in terms of pro careers, I really thought Judy was going to do a little more last year. Yeah, um, I, I was I with you, Bama. I was disappointed. I think he struggled a little bit, you know, with with maybe the speed of the game and, and the Drew Lock and everything else. Drew Lott, yeah, yep. I mean, and, you know, the offense, and, you yep. know, I just don't know if Fangio's the answer. I don't, I mean, you, you're much more. Well, Bama, uh, you know what I would say? When Cortland Sutton got hurt, and I think it was game one or game two, really early in the season, and all of a yeah. sudden, Jerry Judy, fresh out of college, leaving eligibility and, and on the, on the table, fresh out of college, was then thrust into that one role. I don't think yes. he was ready for that, and I'm certainly not. I, I think he's going to be a star. I think he's going to be a star. I do too. I, I, he's got he's got everything you want, including attitude. I mean, yep. he's got a great attitude. He's not going to cause any trouble. Um, he's going to work hard. He'll do what he needs to do. Um, 
I worry a little bit about Devontae Smith, uh, and, and really not. I still think he's. I mean, the comparison I've used for for a year and a half is, is Marvin Harrison. If he's ninety percent, eighty percent of Marvin Harrison, mm-hmm. you've got yourself a star. I know everybody's worried about the size at one sixty six, whatever. He might add. He'll add five, six, seven pounds, whatever he needs to. Um, I just worry about Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. Still, I, I just don't think mm-hmm. the guy is is an NFL quarterback. Maybe he will be. I don't know. Um, and, and you know, Waddle. To me, Waddle is the X factor. Um, you know, he's he is. I think in a in a great situation. Um, if when once he fully recovers from that injury, I think he's got a chance to really be an explosive slot guy. And I mean, if you put, I don't think he's, he's a true, you know, X, but man, if you put him in the slot, I mean, how are you just going to cover those on those? Mm. You saw it at Alabama, the quick slant. I mean, if you put it on him, he's going to catch it and strike and go. Now I know they got a, you know, a little better defenses in the NFL than he faced in the SEC, but I think he's got a chance maybe to be the best guy. Ruggs is just, like I said, he's got to work on his route running. He's got to learn how to catch the ball. He can't just be a take the top off the defense guy. He certainly has that ability, okay. But you, you just in the NFL, you may you may take what two two maybe three of those shots a game uh, if you're you know, if the Raiders and I don't know how many you're going to hit. You've got to get more production out of that, especially in tight in the red zone where things get get clogged up. But you know you throw. <laughs> Go throw Julio Jones and and Calvin Ridley and Amari Cooper in that group, and all of a sudden, you know, Alabama's wide receiver you under Nick Saban is ridiculous. No, really, it really and truly is. Okay, so I I'm with you. I'm anxious to see Waddle. Um, remember, I remember when he got hurt last year. The the text you sent yep. me, and I went. There's too many texts between you and I. Go back and find it. Just you know, <laughs> it's a huge blow. But watch this Smith kid. He's about to. And I'm paraphrasing, but you tipped this off. Yeah. Watch this Smith. It's about to be his time in the spotlight. Bama. It's Mac Jones' time in the spotlight in New England. So compare the last two quarterbacks. I wasn't impressed by Tua. Now that's that's kind of unfair to say because. You know, John Elway lined up over under the right guard, and he played quarterback before he got to Denver, yeah. right? Troy yeah. Aikman was a disaster in his first year. It's not that Tua was terrible, uh, but he was coming off a, a, a really serious injury. I, I just maybe thought that the that the learning curve wouldn't be as steep for Tua as it appeared to be. So having said that, can we expect the same for Mac Jones? I think everybody believes he's in the right spot with Belichick and and Josh McBlunder uh, in New England. Uh, but what about those two quarterbacks? Who's got the chance to be the best of those two in the NFL? I still think it's Tua, Ken. I mean, I think he's just got to get healthy. I mean, there's no way he was 100% last year. I mean, he couldn't be. I mean, it was impossible after that. His hip was completely shattered. I mean, it, it wasn't. It was almost hip replacement type stuff. I mean, from that injury, it was it was gruesome. There was no way he was going to be a hundred percent plus a rookie quarterback. Um, you know, you had Fitzpatrick there who would kind of come in and and you know he would lean on. I think now with Fitz gone, this is his team. Mm-hmm. He's smart. Um, he can make all the throws. He's got all the talent. I think now having a year. Uh, Trusting the hip more, knowing that he's going to get hit and he's going to be able to survive it, I think is a big deal. Um, I just, I just, I, he was so good in college and he throws such a pretty football that I just, that's not going to go away, I don't think. Mac Jones, I think, is going to be, 
a serviceable quarterback in the NFL. I mean, he may turn out to be a lot better than I think he is. I don't know, but it's hard. The comparison everybody wants to make is Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is a legit franchise quarterback. Yeah, me too. I don't know that Matt Jones, Mac Jones is. I mean, and again, you have to look at who he was throwing to last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had Waddle for part of the year. Devontae Smith had a season for the absolute ages. He had Najee Harris, don't forget that, okay, in the backfield that he could just, you know, throw a little check down to. And, you know, there's you some, you know, stat padding right there. He could run it. Uh, he had a good tight end. I mean, just, just weapon after weapon after weapon. He doesn't have that in New England, okay? I mean, that's been the big bugaboo under Belichick is great coach, terrible GM. And I don't know that they've really improved much. So he's going to have to, you know, Cam Newton's their guy right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, you know, I don't know that Mac Jones is going to come into camp and beat out, uh, you know, Cam Newton. But I still think it's Tua. I'm a, I, I'm going to give Tua one more year. Uh, he, we need to see improvement this year, granted. Okay, he's got to take charge of that offense. I think he learned a lot from Fitzpatrick. With, with him gone, it's him. They know it. They're supposed to be good. You know, New England is back to the pack. Buffalo, everybody's chasing Buffalo right now, mm-hmm. and Josh Allen in that in that division. So he's got to step up. He's got some weapons in Parker, um, you know, and some other guys. And I just, I don't know. I just think that I think ultimately he is the guy that's going to be the better pro. And I don't know that he's going to be an All Pro. But I think he's got a chance to be a, a, a plus a, a plus quarterback, if you want to put it that way. Bama, speaking of injured quarterbacks, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but I did see this uh, at some point during spring football. And I know we were both big fans of Mackenzie Milton, what he did at uh, yep. Central Florida, and, and just the incredibly devastating injury that he suffered late in the 2018 campaign. Missed all of 2019, of course, last year as well. Uh, but now he's at Florida State, Bama. Uh, and I don't know if you saw any highlights from two or three weeks ago when Florida State had their spring day. Bama, he lit it up. I'm so happy for this kid. Uh, man, oh, man, that was just devastating. And he was a Heisman contender, let's not forget. Not saying that he's going to get back to that level, but I sure hope he plays again. Yeah, I, I do too, and I think he will. Um, you know, it's it's a lot – it's different situation, but it's a lot like the Alex Smith story. I mean, you know, in the mm. NFL. Now, Smith obviously – had you know the broken leg and we all we've all seen that and if you watch the documentary on Alex Smith, I it's mean, it, tremendous. Oh my gosh, it was great and gross all at the same yeah, time. Yeah. I mean, the, what that guy had. I mean, you know, life threatening mm-hmm. basically. But so he was able to come back from that. I'm with you. I love the kid. I'm not a big UCF guy. I you know just for whatever reason I didn't you right. know frost and the whole thing they were doing. But you could not help but love Mackenzie Milton and root for him. You're right. I saw an article on him when I was kind of, you know, just pulling some stuff up, and and I thought that the headline was great, and I think it was just one of the FSU fan sites that said, "Mackenzie Milton is back, and he's serious." Really? I mean, he is fully, he is back, he is invested. FSU needs a jolt like that because one of the things that is just so alarming if you're a Florida State fan is just the absolute lack of talent they've had on that team the last few years and if he can jolt anything into them they got to protect him now you know spring games you don't get to you know rush the quarterback and hit him but man if they can protect him he looks awesome in terms of his ability to 
you know, still throw, put it on the money. I don't know how mobile he'll be. Um, again, he's got to trust that. I mean, it was a, like you said, devastating knee injury. Absolutely devastating. And he's got to trust it when he wants to run and get out of the pocket and take a hit and all that kind of thing. But so we'll see what happens when he, when the bullets, you know, start going live. But man, overall, again, a great story. I'm glad he's getting another chance. I'm really rooting for him. I'm not the biggest FSU fan. I don't think they're any kind of a threat in the ACC. Certainly, I don't think they're going to threaten Clemson or you know maybe Miami or some other guys. North Carolina, about, you know, teams later uh, in the year. But man, I, I I hope he can inject something into that program because he'll make them fun. He is a fun guy and a great kid, and I am just so happy along with you that he's getting another chance mm-hmm. to play. Where it goes. I don't know, but I'm just glad that he's getting another chance. Bama, let's uh, let's do two more things. We'll let you go, and appreciate you coming on. And can't wait. We're doing until we're doing this Mondays and recapping and previewing on Friday because that means <laughs> Me either, college football will be here. Uh, so the new overtime rule, Bama, that is that is going to be in place. I get it. They want to reduce the number of plays, the potential for injury. So if you're if you our listeners are unfamiliar with what this is going to be, so you get the you get the overtime. Each team gets a normal possession. If both teams score. Um, you know, they both score three, they both score a touchdown. On to period number two, we go. But in the second overtime, if you score a touchdown, you have to go for two. And then if both teams are tied after the second overtime period, there's no more putting the ball at the 25-yard line. You set up the ball to go for a two-point conversion. And the first team, well, whoever misses first uh, when they're going for two, obviously comes out on the short end of the stick. Bama, I loved college football overtime. There was nothing better than seeing five, six. Oh, my God, this thing is still going on. Can you believe it? You know, Twitter alerting you to get to channel whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, it didn't matter what the teams were. I guess why it's in place having said that i'm going to miss it uh the way it was like hell uh but is this okay the way they're doing it bama i hate it ken um here's why i wish they would just adopt stop tinkering with it okay just just go to the nfl rule just play a 10 minute period or 12 minute whatever you want to do what's wrong with a tie I mean, seriously. I mean, they do it in every, just about every other sport, other than base, you know, whatever. But it's just like yeah, hockey what, and baseball. They what, give you a point in hockey if you get yeah, beaten over. Give you point in hockey. I mean, yeah. what, what's wrong with a tie? I mean, so here's what I don't like, and here's and there's one thing I don't know about it. Okay, if are you going to allow a team? You know, let's, let's say we get to the third overtime, and now we're just going to put the ball at the two or mm-hmm. the three or wherever yep. it is. We're going to go for two points. You know, each team used to get every overtime period. Each team got a timeout. Well, you can see what's going to happen now. You know, whoever has the ball, they're going to huddle on the sideline. They're going to take, you know, a minute, whatever it is. They're going to spot the ball, blow the whistle, come out, set up in their play. Defense is going to call a timeout. They're going to go back over, and then we're going to, you know, rinse, lather, repeat all this thing. What if, what if, you know, each team scores on, you know, six consecutive plays? Or what if nobody can score? I mean, you know, somebody's got to score and somebody's got to not. Right. So that's that's the biggest thing right here, and you got one play. So, to me, these things could still go on forever. Yeah. Um, you know what? I, I, I never know. even I, thought about that. <laughs> it's crazy to think. Yeah. But I it never even crossed yeah. my mind. Well, what if a team? Does, what if neither score? Neither score. <laughs> right. So we go to the fourth. What if both score? We go yeah. to the fourth. Yeah. You know, somebody's got to stop somebody, and then they got to score. It's not just you know the first one to stop. It's 
and, and again, with the timeouts, these things could just take. It's like the end of an NBA game, you know, Oof. with the reviews and the this. And I mean, it could just take forever. And it could take 10 minutes for each team to run one play if you have timeouts and all this kind of stuff in there. So I just – I, I get it for player safety. You know, the, I'm with you. I like the seven overtimes fine. You know, hey, play 10 for all I care. <laughs> right. Okay. But if you're going to, in player safety, I get it. Yeah. You know, just go to the NFL rule and what is wrong with a tie? I mean, because for the most part, in, you know, until you get to a championship game, obviously, or, you know, a, a, a playoff game or even a bowl game, if you want to do it. But, you know, whatever. I just, I think they're just tweaking it too much. And, again, I just think it has the potential to go on forever. And i tell you another thing, Ken, and this is, you know, for maybe from your perspective or certainly from Trent's perspective, uh, it's going to wreak havoc on the over-under. Yeah. Overtime <laughs> always does, regardless of sport. And, and point spreads, because yeah. let's face it, you get to the third overtime, if a team's favored by three, you just lost. Because yeah. the most they can win by is two. Uh, I've always said, Bama, that the, the bets, if they get to overtime, they should be refunded. If I, I really believe that, uh, but I mean, yeah. it's never going to happen. I mean, it could be. It could be. I think where it will be a boon in betting is the live betting. Oh, you know, sure. Are they going to make yeah. it? They're going to not. I mean, you know, listen, the live betting, and that's becoming Huge. more and more of a thing now. Mm-hmm. So uh, the live betting will, will take off, but it's going to it is going to absolutely wreak havoc on on point spreads and you know totals and that kind of thing. Bama, we got literally, I don't know if we can do this in two minutes. We'll try. I know what's going to happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> overtime. Uh, overtime, bigger part. P- college football playoff. We know that expansion yes. is on the table. Not this year, not next year, following year. So do you keep it at four? Do you expand it to eight? I'm a uh, I'm a proponent of 12. The first four teams get that by. We're going to get games on um, at home stadiums, which I think will be good. Yeah. Or do you go crazy and go to 16 right off the bat? Four, eight, 12, or 16, your preference is what? Eight. Um, I don't like the buys. I think the season is so long already. Um, you know, you could have, in effect, a conference. Well, you would have. Pretty much, you know. Let's face it. If you if you go to twelve, you're going to pretty much get every Power Five champion in there. Okay. Well, yep. one of them is going to have to play an extra mm-hmm. game. If you do that, one, you know, somebody from a Power Five, a conference champion that's that won their conference, played their extra game. Now they're going to have to play another game. I just don't think that's fair. Well, I like eight. I like playing the first round at campus site. Yep. Like you said, I don't care if it's Michigan in the wintertime. Right. Okay, fine. It's Michigan in the wintertime. You get your Power Five champions and three at large, and, and that's just you know. Listen, we're going to argue over eight or nine or mm-hmm. nine or ten and whatever, mm-hmm. but it's better than arguing over four or five. I just think twelve is too much. Um, I think sixteen is way too much mm-hmm. um, because that's four extra games. You're going to have to give up. So that's going to be as long as an NFL season. In right. fact, it already a lot of it already is. But I just like the eight because it gets rid of. Oh, the you know the the Big Twelve is out of it after week three or whatever it was mm-hmm. like we did last year. I know mm-hmm. last year was a little different, but you know it, it just puts a premium on your conference championship. A guy, you know, a team can win the East of a you know whatever division and with a terrible record and beat Alabama and they're in the playoff. Okay, I just I like I like putting every conference champion in, and then you give me three at large. You want to throw Notre Dame in there? You want to throw you know. Conference runner-ups. I, I know you're going to get a big argument over those three, but you're already getting a big argument over the last couple anyway. Mm-hmm. But I think with eight, you're more than likely to get the absolute best 
team in that eight. I'm not 100% sure that we're getting the best teams. Uh, you know, number five, like last year, I'm not sure A&M could have won it. Right. But they would they could have, you know, they could have made some noise. So I'm with eight, power five champs, three at large, campus sites, first round. Bama, great to talk to you, uh, old friend. We will uh, look forward to doing that uh, here in the weeks ahead as we inch our way closer to college football. Good hit today, Bama. Great to talk to you, pal. You too, buddy. Appreciate it. And uh, anytime. Yep, good to see you. Yep. You know that. Yep, absolutely. Bama Bob. Talk a little college football here. You can follow Bama on Twitter. He's at Bama Bob. All right. Uh, it's time for our keyword. Let me get the script in front of me and the keyword for this hour. It's time to hit another $1,000 home run. Go to KXNO.com. Once you get there, that pop up box is going to magically appear. Enter the keyword this hour. It's laugh, L A U G H. Laugh for your chance to win $1,000. That's laugh at kxno.com. We will be back. What happened at Principal Park last night? The score didn't matter. <laughs> didn't go the home team's way. But there was baseball in downtown Des Moines and the Des Moines Register's Tommy Birch was there and he'll be here next. Miller in Condon till noon on 1460 KXNO and 1460 KXNO 106.3 on the FM dial. We take you until noon. Tommy Birch from the Des Moines Register. We talk a little iCub, Chicago Cubs conversation coming up at 11.05 with David Kaplan. Birchie, you were at the ballpark last night with 3,500 paying customers, the staff, and I'm just imagine just had to be great, right? How are you, Birchie? I'm doing good, yeah. It, it, it felt good to be back at the park. I've been back a few times for doing some stories, state baseball, high school baseball games. But um, as I kind of wrote my story that's at DesMoinesRegister.com, you know, going to the park and seeing, like, college wood bat league games, high school games, it's not the same as the nice. Iowa Cubs, you know. No, indeed. Uh, I read your piece this morning at the Register, as I always do. It was great to see you recapping the game. Score didn't matter. Uh, the fa- Well, how was Biagini? Just because, I want to ask you, just because I watched him pitch a ton as a Blue Jay, I always thought he had a chance. How was he yesterday as he started for the Iowa Cubs? Yeah, he did really well. I mean, he struggled uh, early on with, uh, I think, his command, but I think that's pretty common, especially for um you know, basically having a month off from baseball between the alternate, you know, camp and, mm-hmm. and spring training and stuff like that and being the first start of the season. So um, after the first inning, he, he really settled down pitched really well. So um, to me, he's kind of an intriguing arm because, you know, he's probably going to be a reliever if Chicago ever mm-hmm. needs him, but he's that guy that's kind of a veteran that's been around that can kind of be stretched out as well and start like he did last night. So um, in the grand scheme of things, he's not really like a big eye people are going to be keeping on in Des Moines. 
but he is the type of guy that Chicago could find some value for later in the year. Yeah, I agree with you, Birchie. I mean, I watched him put pitch in some big spots in Toronto and uh, some relief appearances. Uh, we'll see. You know, I was surprised. Uh, I had no idea Keegan Thompson, who pitched in Game Two for the Big Cubs last night. I, I, what were the what were his plans originally, Bert Tommy? Did you think that? Did they think that there was a chance that he would be here? I mean, he's 26 years old, got his first start last night. I know you were working. I thought he was terrific. Uh, was Keegan Thompson ever ticketed for Des Moines that you knew of? Yeah, I mean, that was actually the game plan. He was going to start the season here uh, in Des Moines. I believe he was actually named to the opening day roster hmm. um, on Friday, then got called up Sunday, then spot started. Uh, last night, he picked up a couple weddings, and he was really impressive. I mean, he, he commanded the zone. He commanded the mound. Um, he did not look like the guy that was making his first big league no. start. He looked like he felt confident, like he belonged there. And it's um, you know it's a pretty impressive, impressive outing when you think about this, a guy that hasn't even pitched at the AAA level before. Mm-hmm. And and who he was doing against? I mean, the, the the defending World Series champs were in the other dugout. <laughs> we're taking their turn in the batter's box. He never flinched. I, I was really impressed. So, Tommy, let's go back to last night downtown Principal Park. I, I'm guessing, just a guess, but there were probably more smiles per capita per person than maybe any other night of the ball amongst the staff, amongst the season ticket holders. Tommy, as your article pointed out, it was I don't remember the exact amount, but it was over 600 days between games. Uh, just the excitement amongst the, because you know, that's a that's a part of a fabric of a lot of folks' life, right? Season ticket holders, they want to see their squad. Uh, the smiles must have been on full display. Yeah, it's funny. I stood I stood at the gates when the gates opened for the first time, and just the smiles amongst everybody coming in was it, it was crazy to see. I mean, they, um, you know, they knew it'd been over six hundred days since you know the last time. Uh, minor league baseball men played at Principal Park. And, you know, what was kind of funny is I talked to a married couple who had season tickets and they said, look, we've been married for <laughs> right. 50 years. Yeah. We don't do a date night. Yeah. The Iowa Cubs is our date night. And I think a lot of people kind of share that sentiment mm-hmm. where, you know, the score of the game really doesn't matter to a lot of people. How the Iowa Cubs are doing really doesn't matter. It's the experience of, going to the park, sitting outside, interacting with other fans. And <clears throat> probably the cool thing about the AAA level is that you can interact with players a little bit more too, kind of watch them grow. So I think, you know, that's something people sorely missed out on last season. I think now they're kind of realizing, like, we can't take it for granted. It's mm-hmm. back. We got to enjoy it. And kind of make up for lost time almost. Indeed. So so are there still some restrictions in place, Tom? I mean, this would come from, I guess, Major League Baseball. Are the players allowed to, I mean, can you go down uh, when, when, the, when they leave their, the, the, the clubhouse, it's right out there under the you know, left field, essentially, and there's always been chances over the years for the, um, the bullpen uh, to get autographs. Uh, before the game, sometimes after the game. Is that available this year? Is that that's something that the Major League Baseball has uh, uh, kind of, um, uh, I guess, taken away, at least at this time? Can they do that with fans or no? Yeah, I'm not sure about outside the park. I think players anyways are going to be pretty reluctant to, to go out of their way. That's mm-hmm. always been a tough task anyways, but 
Um, you, you definitely can't do it inside the ballpark. They've got um, the third and first baselines roped off. Um, they've got the bullpens roped off where, you know, the, the seats right behind the dugouts and, and um, bullpens sit. And then they've got the extended net. You know, I think people forget about that. We, right. we Going into the 2020 season, I think so many people were thinking like, wow, um, that's going to be the biggest complaint of fans is that they're extending the net at Principal Park. But now that seems like um, – such a, a, a small thing, but that was going to impede autograph uh, mm-hmm. opportunities anyways. But I think down the road, both the Iowa Cubs are definitely open to finding ways to get access to players. Um, kind of, you know, once we've gotten to the other side of this pandemic, I think. Yeah, I forgot all about the net. It goes all the way. It's a good point. Uh, Tommy, the, the roster that uh, that uh, started last night, uh, kind of give us a, um, you know, go inside, if you will. Are there any of these guys that are making their way, that uh, that are, are going to play for the Chicago Cubs? I mean, we don't see the, you know, we were so spoiled a few years ago by the names that came up here and all made huge impacts on this Cubs team. Uh, are there any of those guys that they're counting on to have a good uh, major league career, but they're just not quite at that point yet? Anybody on the roster that played last night? Uh, not last night. I mean, there were guys that are going to contribute, but aren't going to be like the keystone, um, you know, centerpieces of, of, you know, the next wave of talent. Guys like PJ Higgins, mm-hmm. um, Jason Adams, stuff like that. Those are guys that are eventually going to get, uh, to the big leagues and contribute one way or another. Kind of the big name prospects. Um, the biggest name prospects are, <clears throat> At the lower levels right now, we're talking about Miguel Amea, uh, Brennan Davis, Braylon Marquez. Uh, Marquez and Amea are both probably going to be in double A to start the year. Um, Davis is in concussion protocol right now, but it's realistic to think that all three of those guys could be making their way to Iowa. And if they do, suddenly you've got a pretty intriguing team. But um, right now, I think you're looking at mostly role player type guys. Um, they're going to, you know, eventually see their way to Chicago. Uh, Bertie, the schedule is different this year, right? We see Indianapolis. Well, everybody comes in for six-game sets. They're cutting down on the travel. I think that's prudent on their part. Uh, we're going to see some new teams make their way through. Of course, a lot of Twins fans here in the market, they're excited to see St. Paul when they get to town. But I, I know what it's like in, in, in the NHL because we're seeing that three- and four-game series, and by the time that third or fourth game's around, these two teams really don't like each other. I know it's cliche, and it's different sports, but might this lead to something i mean if something happens you know midway through this series and they've still got to see each other for a couple of more uh games before they get to see a team in a different uniform might that lead to some i don't know uh some hard feelings uh, kind of uh, spilling over on the field at times i hope so that'd be a lot of fun to watch and i think that'd be a lot of fun to cover and i think it's very realistic to think that's going to happen because you look at the condensed triple-A schedule, not just because of COVID-19, but because of um, the restructuring that they've done throughout minor league baseball. They've cut down travel immensely, and especially <clears throat> the the 2021 schedule. You know, Iowa is playing pretty much the same four or five teams throughout the entire season, so they're going to see a lot of each other, not just in short spans, but spread out through the entire season. So, um 
they're definitely going to be getting sick and tired of each other by the end of the season, which could make things interesting, yeah. No, indeed. You know what else is good, I think, too, is there's no Mondays. Um, so Monday's going to be a travel day, and it's not like – you know, you can get to the ballpark. In some cases, teams, as you know well, though, Tommy, that the visiting team hasn't showed up yet. Their plane was late or their equipment didn't get there. So you you build in a little time there. But is this the future, Tommy, that because I know Major League Baseball, they actually been toying about this as well, either giving everybody Monday off or having kind of a standalone game when that's the focus. If you're a baseball fan, you're going to watch this game on Monday night, the national game. There's no there's no Mondays in minor league baseball. Is that the future? Yeah, I think so. But in, in the grand scheme of things, what Major League Baseball really wanted to do was accommodate the players much more uh, throughout minor league baseball, cut down on travel, cut down on those late night travels, mm-hmm. um, cut down on those late arrivals too. I mean, the the when the Iowa Cubs were playing in the PCL, there were notorious stories about um, – Getting up at 5 a.m. Uh, to, to hit a flight out to Tacoma, getting there um, two hours before game time and just showing up and pretty much playing the game. They want to cut down on those two and, and, and really make the, um, the minor league experience better because player development is a huge, huge thing for, for major league baseball. Indeed. Uh, Tommy, I know in your piece you you, uh, you talked to Randy Wayhofer, etc., uh, and they did a really good job, I thought, of kind of making uh, the public aware of some of the changes at the ballpark. You know, I... Um, um, Cubby Bear put out some videos, etc. They were they were up front with telling there's no there's no more cash at Principal Park, and this is what you're going to do. Uh, and apparently everything ran pretty smoothly, Tommy, for the first game in over 600 and something days. Is that what you saw? Yeah, I, you know, I was really I don't want to say shocked because I think they do a great job down there, and they have plenty of time to prepare. But when you say they had plenty of time to prepare, you also have to take into um, into kind of, I guess, note that the idea that so many things are changing by the day, the minute, the hour. So um, all the fans I talked to enjoyed the experience. I think they were just happy to be back at the ballpark. We'll see how things go um, in a couple more weeks when you have the less diehard fans that are coming down to to uh, just get the Iowa Cubs outdoor baseball experience. But um for the first night, I think uh, I think things went pretty smooth, and and e- even though it felt different, I think you were still um, able to get the minor league baseball experience for the most part, and the Iowa Cubs experience that makes it so fun to come down there. No, it really does. Uh, and there were over three thousand people in the building, and this is a major league baseball restriction. Tommy, any do the. Um the the powers that be, Michael Gartner, Sam Burnaby, have any idea when that uh, when Major League Baseball will revisit the attendance restrictions throughout the country? Might we, you know, get to? I don't even know if they're home July the fourth, but um, you know, might, might we get to July and all of a sudden, maybe not completely full, but a number of those restrictions go away? Do they have any idea when they might be able to bring in more fans? They don't yet, but my understanding from talking to people around the front office throughout the offseason and leading up to the season is that the hope is that by some point this season, I don't know when, but hopefully by the middle of summer, they can get um, all the way back up to near capacity or full capacity. And 
you know, right now they're at about half the stadium um, that they can sit. But obviously, when you don't have a 2020 season, um, you've got revenue you want to make up for, and you want to get as many people in the stands um, throughout the season, even when um, you take into account. I think a lot of people forgot the 2021 minor league baseball season got pushed back. So there's a month of baseball that's already missing that, they got to catch up on. No doubt about it. Tommy Birch, great to read your stuff in the Des Moines Register as you cover this Iowa Cubs team. They're home through Sunday on the road, uh, but then uh, right back for a pretty long homestand to end the month of May. They get home on the 18th and they uh, stay for the uh, remainder of the month. Birch, good to talk to you, Tommy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Good to talk to you. Tommy Birch, Des Moines Register. As we talk a little Iowa Cubs baseball, great to see them back in downtown Des Moines again. Uh, what do we got for 6.30 tonight? Uh, then 7.08 Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, with day baseball on Sunday. Then they don't come back home until the 18th of May. We'll take a timeout, come back and finish the hour. David Kaplan kicks off hour number two. Stephen M. Sippel will be here. It's 1460 KXNO. 10- All right, final couple of minutes here of hour number one. Cappy and hour number two to kick it off. Stephen M. Sippel on Nebraska. Uh, we will uh, talk some, well, some football, some basketball, and some Big Ten West with our friend Sip. Boy, it sure seems as though the Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers marriages uh, hit a point where there's just no going back. Uh, reports coming out today that uh, Rodgers in group texts with some of his teammates is referring to Gutekunst as uh, Jerry Krause. There's a big piece of the big lead, I think, has got that. Uh, it's It's not good. It, well, it's good if you're a Broncos fan, he might end there. It's good if you're a Bears fan or a Lions fan or a Vikings fan as he's leaving the division. Sure seems like it. Real quick, Jeff, you're going to run out of hour here. you got about 30 seconds. Go ahead. Okay, uh, Ken, I want you to guess who this is, and i got something else. There's a player on the Cubs that is batting 320, yes. slugging 700, and on-base percentage of 1,100. Who is that? Uh, Chris Bryant. It is Chris Bryant. Unbelievable. I can't wait to hear what our boy has to say. Secondly, there's a player in MLB. We talked last week who the most underrated player in sports that's kind of like just going, you know, you know, we're not, we're forgetting forgetting who it is. Yep. Who is that in baseball? Who the most, well, give me the league. There's a lot of guys. Well, the guys, a guys in the MVP, MVP talk every season and MLB does not market him at all. Uh, give me the name. We're running out of show, running out of hour. Trout. Who, yeah. Trout. Isn't that crazy? Well, he's, it's because he plays in uh, in Los Angeles and the Eastern time zone kids don't get to see him. I agree with you. And the team needs to make the playoffs. Let's face it. Well, and- and I was just going to say that he needs to shine in the biggest moments, and that's yep. the postseason. Absolutely. Jeff, good to hear from you. Appreciate the Thanks, call. Guys. Hour two coming up next. 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. Cappy kicks it off. Stephen M. Sippel on the Huskers. Maybe Trent. Maybe, maybe. We'll slide on in here before we get out of here at noon. Uh, it's 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.